So hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with David. I am your host, David Owasi. And on this podcast, we're talking to professionals and entrepreneurs across the country. We are learning about you know, what keeps them passionate, what keeps them going. And we're also talking about lessons learned along the way. Now I'm here with my very good friend. I'm very excited to bring onto the show. His name is Brennan Strakiski, and I, someone I have known for, for a couple of years now. Why don't you introduce yourself, Brennan? Thanks, David. Thanks for the intro. And you got the last name right, which is nice. Right, so uh, uh, not many people can. So obviously, you've been in my uh, been in my life long enough. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah excited to excited to be here. Obviously, we have uh, me and you have kind of gone through similar pasts uh, ourselves, right? Growing up in, uh, in in the painting world and in the entrepreneurship fields, and then having similar careers since then. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Thanks, Brennan. And yes, I definitely. Uh, practice pronouncing your name properly sometimes it can be a, a, a tongue twister that one but you can, uh, uh, you, you can tell you did it well man <laughs> thank you yeah so uh, yeah you're right we we've had a, a similar career journey so far and uh, you and I would go way back and I'm very excited to kind of just tap into some of your experience and you know learn some of the things uh, especially for our listeners uh, to share some of your journey so let, let's start out from you know uh, your first entrepreneurship journey um, in college pro and i'm very curious what actually interested you in the first place to even explore entrepreneurship or what was the interest for you in the first place um it was really interesting i think it was uh um i've always been one who liked the ability to control kind of my own journey and uh even as like a as a kid always trying to you know i was brought up very much in a way where you know under the teaching that if you wanted something, you kind of went out and did it yourself. Mm. Uh, and so um, for me, and I'd always been interested in kind of this, the whole leadership concept, even again, kind of through my high school days. So I figured, hey, you know what, um, what better way to get experience and then maybe make a few bucks than, uh, uh, than doing that, uh, yeah, doing, doing a business, right? So Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely agree with you if you, if you want to control the outcome of things, uh, one of the best ways to do that is to run your own business or to be an entrepreneur in some fashion. And uh, I'm very curious though about your first year being a business owner. What was that like? And the reason why I ask that is a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, well, there's a pandemic, I'm sitting at home. Is this the best time to run a business? If I want to do it, there's no better time than now. Uh, I'm just curious, what was your first year of running a business like? What was that experience like? Oh man, you're like getting some PTSD here, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was by far the hardest, whatever, six to eight months of my, my entire life, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's like, you know, I was what, 21 years old. Uh, I, you know, kind of my, uh, um, got introduced to the business, kind of the franchise a little bit late. So I kind of started from behind and then it's just a whole world of unknown. There's mm. so much going on at once that it just, uh, yeah, it's kind of un, unspeakable to, to uh, even almost, honestly, almost put into words because mm. there's so much going on. It's so challenging. Um, it's a very fulfilling thing for sure, right? Because you're going and you're figuring it out. But um, it was also, despite the chaos and the uh, tons of errors and long nights and early mornings, is, you know, it was all, all, also a really, really fun time for me too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just, I, I would, I can't, uh, yeah, it's tough, but it was by, by far the hardest kind of 
you know, if I took from the time I pressed, I, I said yes and signed on the dotted line to the time that the final drop of paint went on the wall. Um, it's like eight months. And yeah, mm. it was, man, it was, uh, it was super, super challenging. Absolutely. And, you know, very similar to my experience as well, especially that first year was extremely brutal, very, very hard, not in a bad way, but in a good way where you feel like you're enjoying this growth, but still, you know, it's mm -hmm. fair to, to say it's very difficult. But Brennan, you know, when I, and again, I've been sitting down with a couple of entrepreneurs like yourself for, for my podcast. And one of the things I always, uh, the themes of what I always hear is that my first year was extremely difficult, was very hard, but I kept doing it and when i usually probe for it i'm always you know i'm always talking about so i'm always asking them about their why you know what's the reason why even though it was very difficult it was very hard you kept going at it you kept taking that pain and i guess for yourself what would be that big why for yourself why did you continue even though it was very difficult mm, for me i think i mean the two two main things was i mean the growth would be number one for sure um you know, second year university um, was always somebody who just like, I just had like a thirst to just be better. Mm. And so I figured that, you know, given the nature of the business that was being run and the coaching and the support that was available, um, I had an opportunity to grow pretty drastically. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so then really improve me for kind of, uh, so that was the main reason. And then that was also to, you know, second piece would be to put me in a position in the future where I could, you know, continue the entrepreneurship journey or be in leadership or um, get the experience that I needed to really be, you know, from a career perspective, um, be where I wanted to, but it's really, it was really all. And it, even to this day, probably still is a test to the, just the growth uh, aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with you. And you know, that was one of my biggest drivers as well to just personally grow myself and be a better professional and uh, definitely being a business owner helps you doing that. Now for, for the sake of our listeners, some people, when they think about running a business or starting their first business, the only thing they're probably thinking about is, oh, I'm going to make some money or I'm going to you know, be able to accumulate all of this wealth. What would you say is the role of you know, running a business or being an entrepreneur in really triggering your personal growth and development? Like, how does that work? And how, like, why would someone uh, like yourself go into business and not just think about the money alone, but also be very, very cognizant of the, uh, the personal growth and development factor? So I guess, does my question make sense? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I, mm -hmm. I can, uh, I'll do my best uh, there. I think, um, yeah, it's asking like, why would somebody get into business and how was, how would being a business owner accomplish your personal growth I mean, yeah. right, outside of money, right? Well, I mean, mm. I mean, typically, I mean, I, I would imagine that most successful people don't necessarily start companies for a thirst of money. I think mm -hmm. evidently having freedom in, in the future is, is probably an, an aspect of why people would do it, but mm -hmm. uh, not something you're going to attain in year one, year two, and in some cases much longer than that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think because, especially if you're doing something you really care about and you do have that deep rooted why um, the, like the thirst that you get to try and be better, like when mm. you, you, you screw up and you're like, Oh my God, this is a big problem. Mm. Uh, I need to figure it out like right now. And you're like in this pressure cooker to either, you know, like the fight or flight type thing. It kind of, you know, that internal dialogue almost forces you to grow and forces you to be better. And well, um, 
you know, I was lucky enough to have a, a massive network of people to access and coaches to access and mentors to help with. Um, yeah, truly the, like the growth and development is, is, uh, is best pushed forward in like those pressure cooker moments when you don't know if you're going to make it, you don't know if it's going to, you can, you know, mm. find some, an employee or, or fix this problem or pay this bill or whatever it is. Right. Like it's, so I think, um, yeah, for me, it was really just, you didn't really have much of a choice. So you were forced into the growth by mm. the situation you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as, even though it was challenging and it sucked a lot of the times, mm. uh, and it turned out okay. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree uh, on on that note there. Uh, Just being in in the trenches, I guess, as we always put it, being in the arena kind of just forces you to make drastic changes. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. Now, uh, one of the benefits based on your answer of the question, one of the benefits of the college pro uh, experience that we had, you and I had, was the fact that we had uh, a vast network of people who were sort of doing the same thing who could support you. What would you say someone who doesn't have access to such network, who someone is probably just knows they're starting their own thing, they don't have access to lots of people who are doing the same thing. How can they survive? How can they um, get that extra support that we had access to? Or how can they approach finding that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would challenge anybody who thinks that they, you know, they start something and say, I don't have support, right? Mm. I don't access to this I would say that it's probably not true at all I think that um, part of doing something that you know is operating a business even if you know what you're doing from a technical aspect or a business aspect is you know I think one of the skills that's necessary is to go out and network and talk to people and find um, and find people that will support you Mm. part of it is being vulnerable to the fact that like you're not you're not going to do it on your own and um, you need to be hard pressed to find a lot of successful businesses or people who get there alone. Cause I don't think that's the case. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I would just, yeah. Push anybody who says that the, Oh, it's, it's hard to find somebody or it's uh, you know, I don't have access or I don't know where to find them. Like mm. you're not really going to do anything without that support or as much as you could. So mm. just go out, find it, ask people, you know, most of the time, especially in, in you think in like the small business world or entrepreneurship community, people are really supportive, right? Mm-hmm. Reaching out to people who have either been there or they know somebody who have been there. So mm-hmm. um, in my experience, asking people, hey, you know, I'm looking for help in this, people will point you in the right direction if they can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, do it and realize that it's a, it's a really good thing and it's beneficial and, and it's not a bad thing to ask for help at all. Yeah, totally agree with you, Brennan. And one, one of the very first skills, at least in my opinion, that we learned or I learned as a new business owner was the skill of networking, being able to pick up the phone and just call someone and just keep calling away until you find someone who says yes to you or going out there and knocking on doors and talking to people until you find someone who says yes to your service. Now, that is a very, very important skill for any successful business endeavor. And Brennan, just from knowing you and our relationship, I feel like you're one of the very 
best people at this scale, being able to just pick up the phone and convince someone and turn a no to a yes. How would you say someone who is lacking in this skill or who is trying to grow in this skill, what can they do to improve the ability to network, to pick up the phone, to you know convince people? What, what would you say is the best way to approach learning that skill? Mm. It's like, it's kind of one of those things where, at, again, I think it's, it probably starts with some self-reflection. Like you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, why am I having a hard time asking for help? Mm. Either I'm not vulnerable. Maybe there's my ego involved. Maybe I think somebody's going to, you know, somebody's going to look down on me for asking for help, which probably would be, you know, a little bit of your ego involved. Um, but I, I think that, I don't know, I, I, outside of just kind of sucking it up, to be honest with you, and just doing it, like that's where it starts. You have to make that first phone call. You have to go on LinkedIn and shoot that first message off to somebody. Even mm -hmm. that's an easy way to start, right? Just do it, you know, if you're shy or whatever, like it's much mm -hmm. easier to type an email or shoot a message on LinkedIn or on social media to somebody than it is to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in today's world, people are very well, very connected uh, without the need for even a face-to-face -face interaction, obviously, like we're doing, right? So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, eventually you're going to have to do it. But uh, yeah, I think it's probably going to start with you asking yourself, why am mm -hmm. I not doing it? Mm -hmm. What's really in my way? And is that worth the help that I'm missing out on? Yeah. yeah the answer is always going to be no, right? I would yeah. imagine so. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Brennan. And uh, it starts with, uh, you, like you said, self-reflection. Why am I not you know, wanting to, to ask people for help or to reach out to people? And of course, ego is one of the biggest uh, detriments to any level of success. When I think personally for myself and how I typically would approach reaching out to people, what I typically start out with is, is drafting some sort of a uh, little bit of a, a synopsis of what I want to send to people. So I start out with like an email draft. So I, I like a template basically. So I, I, I put together templates for emails. I put it together templates for, for texts and I put together templates for a phone call. And for me, when I'm able to put together those templates, it's really easy to then start making those calls and start reaching out because all I have to do is just Ctrl C and Ctrl V, copy and paste it. And uh, it's easier to just go through lots and lots of names after I have like my core templates are mapped out. And at the end of the day, it's all about just activities. Sorry, were you saying yeah. something? Yeah, no, I was gonna say to that point though, I think just the, the um, you know, to your point of saying, hey, I'd like to, uh, you know, draft something out and really prepare a message, I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, even really understanding, you know, your problem that you're trying to solve too. Like, again, most people reach out when they have issues that they have, or they mm -hmm. need to solve some sort of problem, um, just writing it down, going through it. Okay, what's the actual issue I'm trying to solve here? Can I explain it properly? Mm -hmm. um, because maybe, that, maybe that's part of it, right? Is if, you know, sometimes people like, I don't, I just, I'm having this issue and I'm not too sure. And they haven't thought about it enough. Right. So, mm -hmm. but if you can sit down and really go through an understanding of like, what the heck is going on here? What's the problem I need help with? Mm. Um, you're more, it's easier to ask for help with something that, you know, actually you're asking help for too. Right. So it's kind of that point where, um, you're not just going to be sitting here kind of twiddling your thumbs one day and be like, Oh, maybe I should, maybe help would be cool. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to understand why you need help and who the help's going to come from and, and where you can find it. And you have to make sure that you're obviously prepared to ask for the questions or, or again, mm -hmm. drafting some sort of, uh, you know, LinkedIn message or email or social media message for, for that too. 
Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of asking people for help. For me, it's not a thing to be ashamed of or something to feel bad about. Like for me, if I'm asking you for help, like I genuinely want you to help me. And if something if something comes out of me asking for help, I'm better for it because then I have my problem solved and I can move on or I can, you know, close a deal or whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. It just makes natural sense to ask people for help. And I think if you know people don't respond to you or people don't you know give you the answer you're looking for, that is okay. It's part of the process. And the yeah. thing is for me is you know if you ask 10 people for help, you know, five people will respond to you and maybe out of that five, two people will give you what you're looking for. And out of those two, then one person is a sale. And you know, that's a pretty good percentage for my for me, I I think. Yeah, and that's kind of how uh, you know we make sales. Now, I'm curious for you, Brennan, over your you know your four years of, of business experience, I think four or five years, um, what would you say was sort of the, the big takeaway, and what would be you know sort of the lessons you learned just over that four years of experience as a business owner? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's hard to really to really point to one thing because you know, as we know, you know business or running a business or in any sort of position, you know, in leadership or whatever it might be is a, uh, there's a multitude of areas, but um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, when I really started turning a corner, I really started turning a corner um, is when I started to learn to have a deep understanding for myself over and above anything else. And um understanding my emotions and what I'm good at and what I'm bad at and what I need help with. And, and, um, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Um, and being super vulnerable to this fact that I don't have all the solutions. I don't have all the answers. And once I was able to, I think, you know, where I, you know, I think it was after my second year was when I really started to, you know, go in the direction I knew I was capable of. Mm. Um, that was the turning point for me mm. was that I, I had to, you ha- I, I was important for me to go and look in the mirror and understand, okay, how am I, how am I a factor in this whole thing? Like I'm driving the ship here very mm. clearly, mm. Um, but I can't drive it alone, right? There's got to be support and help and, and there's areas of strength and weakness and, and uh, it's, you know, uh, so that was really my, the, the piece is that you have to work on you mm. and yourself and you have to continually sharpen the saw from a skill perspective and know where it's dull and where it's sharp um and you can't really stop that because really you you know in 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 a lot of cases uh like we were in 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 our time running business or running college pro it's like you are the business so if you suck somewhere then the business is going to suck there too uh, unless you address it unless there's an effort put on it so i think that would be the biggest thing for me that i took away was just uh that you have to be you know the uh, the introspection and the is just you know incredibly important and being honest with yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Brennan. And you know, when I think about my own business experience as well, I think this was some of the, the biggest takeaways. So of course, you no, know, we we build relationships. Uh, of course, we were able to um, you know make money. Uh, eventually, <laughs> we made money. But I think so, some of the, the biggest uh, takeaways was really being able to understand ourselves, at least myself, you know, the idea of self-awareness, you know, understanding who I am, you know, 
just kind of having an understanding of what's going on around me and being able to be aware while things are happening, I think was a very key skill to learn. And also self-assessment, which is basically having an understanding of what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and being able to know where to delegate and where to ask for help because it's not just a strength. It's not a strength point for you, right? Yeah, because even if like, again, we were in a lucky spot with mentors and a lot of people are in lucky spots with mentors or coaches or people who are helping them along and, mm-hmm. and your coach or your mentor or your friend or your parents or anybody can really tell you as much as they can. Hey, like you need to be better here. You need to do this. You need to do that. But if you don't Mm -hmm. believe them or you don't internalize it, then Mm -hmm. it doesn't really do much. Right. So you can ask for that help. And somebody says, Hey, well, you're, you know, you're not self-reflective or, Hey, you need to get better communication skills, or this is an area of your company that I think is lacking. Mm -hmm. You don't be like, you know, believe it and take it for, not, you know, nothing more than constructive, then you're gonna have a really hard time, hard time yes. being better if you can accept feedback, both positively and, and more importantly, when it's either negative or, you know, designed to be constructive, right? Mm-hmm. I guess being vulnerable is also key to that. You have to, being vulnerable teaches you that, you know, I'm not perfect at everything and that is okay. It's not a bad thing. It's fine if you're not perfect at everything. I mean, you're not supposed to be, but being able to understand areas that can be improved and genuinely trying to take steps to learn how to improve those points. I know in my early years of business, I was very weird in many ways, whether (laughs) from how I communicated to how I did my sales, to how I did my numbers and financials. But of course, I was able to learn and improve those skills. Now, Brenna, I want to make a little bit of a pivot here. So, you know, after your years were in a business, I know you were also a coach at some point, but then you also transitioned from business ownership into like a corporate setting, which is where you know your current role right now. You are a sales director for an insurance company. What was that transition like for you? You know, moving away from business and all of that hustle and bustle in that context to uh, to uh, you know an office setting, a corporate setting. And the reason why I ask that is you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are thinking uh, maybe they're at a crossroads and they're thinking, should I be making a change right now? Should I go get a, a regular job? I feel like I've learned a lot from my business experience. What was that? experience like for you? I mean, it's really scary at first, right? Because at the time that I made the transition late in 2017, yeah. we did that, right? Uh, which would be, yeah, like it was actually three years ago, like last week, uh, funny enough, mm-hmm. that that, uh, you know, signed on the dotted line to do that. It's really freaky at first, because I think you, you have like these perceptions of what you think the corporate world is like or what it's like being employed um and for me i was really scared of getting into something where i was like you know you have this bad perception of oh i'm just doing a nine to five or oh, i'm just you know working on the phone or i'm you know i'm i'm making somebody else money um but uh but again the driving factor for me was always obviously something greater so I was able to be pretty picky in mm. the aspect of what I chose and why I chose it and mm. where it was going. Um, but so I think you have, you have to keep that in mind, right? If anybody is thinking about making a transition, there's a lot of the aspects of, of what I did in college pro were reflective in what I do now and what I did when I started, right? The control, the ability to make money, the ability to really be, you know, kind of self-operating in a sense where you had help, you had leadership, but ultimately the success kind of fell on your shoulders, which is why corporate sales mm. was the world for me. Because again, I didn't like people. Uh, I didn't, uh, I wanted to control things and, you know, 
what better way to control it than is to get paid for it. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted and mm -hmm. what I needed to achieve. Um, but I was also prepared to wait for it. Um, cause there was like a month where I wasn't doing anything and it was really freaky. I was like, ah, am I ever going to find this? Like, and a few times I came very close to settling on things where I'm like, oh, I could, you know, I could just do this or I, I could just, uh, you know, do this to pass the time. But you know, I kept really, you know, and it worked out, you know, exactly like I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had to keep, you know, the end, you know, I kind of had to keep the end in mind and keep, you know, but when you first question you asked me was what was the why mm -hmm. the why I was looking for this I had to keep that in mind or else and if I would have made those premature decisions I wouldn't have kept that in mind I don't think mm. but um yeah I was just recognizing that it takes time to find what you have to do and and uh it was funny because all it took for me to find what I wanted to was it was me being vulnerable I was I was getting frustrated and I couldn't find things so I just what I did is I asked for help I went mm. on LinkedIn I made a post that hey guys this is what I'm looking for this is what I need and I had been looking for like three weeks and, uh, and then obviously the, the, uh, yeah, the leader of the shop here seen that re reached out to me and then we went from there, but it wasn't, if it wasn't for me asking for help and me realizing that me not sacrificing what was important to me and it probably, it probably would be somewhere else right now. Absolutely. And you know, that is a great example of, uh, you know, the idea of asking for help and being vulnerable and reaching out to your network, which we discussed earlier in this conversation. My next question is kind of a follow-up on that. And the question is for, you know, when the pandemic, lots of people have lost your jobs, uh, whether, you know, you were an entrepreneur before, maybe your business kind of shut down and you're thinking of going to find a, a normal nine to five job or whether you were in a normal job before and then you're trying to find another job. What would you say someone who is looking for a change in their career or trying to find another job, how would you how would you advise them to approach that challenge? And you know, you've kind of answered some of those based on your own personal experience moving into your current role, but what should someone who has lost their job or who is trying to make some transition, what should they be looking for? What should they be doing to enhance your job search? Yeah, I mean it's 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 scary times out there for a lot of people, right? It's uh, and I I uh yeah, my heart hurts for a lot of people who don't, uh, who aren't, you know, aren't working or businesses who are struggling right now. It's very lucky to be able to be relatively unaffected uh, by it to a certain extent. But um, I mean, it's really just about balancing the short term and the long term. Like I said, like there's, it's, I would imagine anyways, and through my discussions with, you know, with people through the days and weeks, it is, mm -hmm. it is challenging to find things out there. There's less work and there's more people. So, mm -hmm. um, so you kind of need to balance the short-term needs that you have, i.e. financial obligations um, with the long-term goals. And, and you need to, you know, balance that to a certain extent, because this, this will go away at some point. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, and that, well, we, we hope anyways, uh, yeah. which it will, but uh, it might not feel like that right now. So, um, you know, to a certain extent, you know, I was lucky where I was allowed to be patient with mm -hmm. it because I did have a little bit of a nest egg to work with where mm -hmm. I could pay the bills for a number of months, but um, not everybody has that. So uh, mm -hmm. I think you need to, um, you know, do what you got to do to get by but I don't think you ever have to stop searching. I don't think you need to be frustrated with it. I don't think it's, um, and I think again, asking for help, like the, you know, the, uh, the community right now needs, 
needs people, it needs support, it needs things. So, mm. um, so anybody looking right now is, you know, don't, don't sacrifice. I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be patient and wait six months for the perfect opportunity to come about. Cause that mm. doesn't always happen. But with that being said, um, you know, I think everybody has skills that they can offer and, and I don't think you should sacrifice that either. So it's uh, it's a tough world. And again, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm very, very thankful. I don't have to make that decision for myself right now. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be my advice is you need to balance short and long-term. If you got to pay the bills, don't be afraid to take something maybe that pays a little less money than, than what you might be worth. Right. But, don't be transparent with anybody you're talking to. Hey, look, this isn't what I want. You know, this is my goal in the future. So mm. yeah, it's a tough time. It is. It is indeed. And I definitely agree with you as well. And funny enough, I am, I am sort of in, in that category. I lost my job through this pandemic as well as a recruiter, which is kind of ironic because I was helping people to find jobs. And then I, I lost my, my, my job. I, I mean, I do have a lot of things on the go, which you know I'm very, very thankful for. But I would say for people who are sort of in, in that crossroad where they're not sure what their next career move should be, uh, one of the things that I particularly advise is to reach out to people on LinkedIn. That is, you know, it's so powerful just sending, sliding into someone's DMs. I know uh, it has a bit of a rep, but that usually works because what I do is if I want to work for a company, so I would I would advise people put together a list of companies that you think you'd like and you want to work for. And then go on LinkedIn, find those companies. Usually they would have a LinkedIn page. And then usually in that page, you, you can connect and see other people who work at the, at, the, at the same company. And then what I would suggest is just directly message those people and say, hey, I'm very interested in working for this company. Uh, what kind of people are your company looking for? Who should I be talking to at your company about potentially you know, talking about a role at your company? And people are usually very nice. They will direct you to the person or they will provide you an email or a phone number. And then you can basically use that to then you know, walk your way. And also another thing is also uh, you know, uh, just posting on LinkedIn. And you know, people usually are very more than happy to help and using the right hashtags, open to work or whatever it is. And uh, one way or the other, people will connect and people are always willing to give you help. So putting yourself out there is obviously the first key, I think, to finding a job that you know, works for you. Yeah, and I think I think you can do it in a few different ways, right? You can definitely do it, like you said, where you can you know find specific companies that are hiring. But I think you could also do it from just like a, you know, unless you're picky about the industry, you could also do it that way, where you say, okay, hey, here's the skills that I have, here's a position, here's the type of role that I want, and then and then you know post that and say, hey, I want to, I'm looking for a role in sales, I'm looking for an accounting job or HR or whatever, whatever your you know your niche is mm-hmm. or your you know skill set is, um, you know, focusing on what's a position that you know you can succeed in. Mm. Um, and then finding, finding it that way. Cause that's kind of what that, I, I kind of took that approach where I said, Hey, I don't really, you know, I was painting houses. I was helping people paint houses or coaching people to paint houses. If you really mm. looked at it from like a really sheer sense, mm. um, obviously we know it was much more than that, but I wasn't really overly picky about the industry per se, because mm. I knew what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and ultimately where I wanted to go with it. So, mm. um, so not to be, you know, thrown off by, you know, on the surface, like, oh, I, I don't want to work for a construction company because right. of X or whatever, you know, uh, don't, don't get shy away from that. Cause a lot of times it's more than, more than ECI and it's, 
I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was, uh, when we were painting, at least for myself, I, I didn't consider myself to be a painter. I was more the, the shirt and tie paint company owner. <laughs> uh, I was not doing most of the painting. I had employees doing that. So I do agree. Before we move on from your current role as a sales director, I am very curious about, you know, what you've seen, considering your role, you lead a, a team of people to, you know, hopefully have, you know, high performance and bring close a lot of deals. What have you seen or what have you observed to be a differentiating factor from those members of your team who you think have been successful and those who perhaps have not really lived up and uh, not have a high performance? What has been the difference between those categories of people in your opinion? Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into success, especially in a, in a you know, a high pressure corporate sales role but I mean I think one of the biggest things is just the work ethic and the the drive to be better um I think that's that is uh um probably the biggest thing like you're not you know even though we're you know per se only selling eight to five nine to five whatever you want to say you know if you want to succeed in most positions or get into any role that is gonna you have the potential to make six figures like it's you need to be able to and be willing to do more or you have to sacrifice on the on the result side so i think the work ethic is incredibly important especially at the beginning mm -hmm. and that um and that was you know a big thing that i tried to do and i try and portray onto my team is you have to you know bust your ass to get there because you're going to learn quicker you're going to get exposure to more uh, things you're going to face more rejection which in sales is just the way that it is right mm -hmm. um so that would be kind of the one piece of it um and then i think you know i think the other piece is just others are you know i think they're able to keep their emotions in check as well you know uh, and i know you know you had mentioned one thing we want to talk about is kind of this whole aspect of emotional intelligence right mm -hmm. which is a good segue but um uh, they're very aware of where they're at emotionally, how they're feeling, how others are feeling, and they're able to read that. So, mm. um, so I think that's another piece of it that is, uh, that is, you know, really, really important. And then the other piece I think is just regardless of how much success you've had, or you could be, you know, you could be, uh, you know, been doing this for 20 20 something years but if you're not willing and able to ask for help and and approach people and, and get different perspectives then i also mm. think that you're you know you're falling behind so i think it's yeah the work ethic mm. you gotta have a, you gotta have a thick skin and you gotta be okay with failure and asking questions yeah, definitely agree with you. Those are fantastic answers, Brennan. And when I think about work ethic, I, I feel like work ethic is something that everyone can control, regardless of what your job is, whether you're in sales or whether you're even trying to find a job. I consider finding trying to find a job to be a job on its own. Uh, and uh, regardless of what it is, the number of, and when I coach, you know, I, I do a lot of coaching with business owners. I, I talk about activities and, you know, putting in the work is definitely key to getting any type of result. And if you're looking for a job, whether that's, you know, having it on your to-do list to reach out to, you know, 10 companies every day and say, I want to reach out to 10 companies and ask about, you know, what you're looking for and how I can be of help. That is part of your activities. And including if you're in sales, 
reaching out to prospects. And although a lot of people are not going to answer, a lot of people are going to say no, but then some people will see your emails, some people will see your calls, some people will say yes, and that's the, the key to success. But you're right, we're going to talk about uh, emotional intelligence, and this is a, a perfect time to kind of segue into that topic. You've mentioned a lot uh, the concept of awareness. That's something that seems to really ring, you know, very, very strongly for you. How would you say you've improved this skill? Because a lot of our listeners are, you know, probably listening and saying, "Well, awareness, awareness. Okay, everyone is talking about awareness, but how can I actually improve my awareness? What can I do? What are the four steps to take to improve that skills? How would you say you've improved your awareness?" Um, it was just probably a, like a, a sig a lot of time on reflection mm. because the more that you're able to look back and, and, and go through something like, you know, whether it be, you know, back in the pain days, we'd have an estimate and then, and then we would, I, I would, you know, sit in the car and just think, about, okay, how'd that go? Why didn't I get it? Why did, what happened? That was yes. What happened? That was no. Um, so it was able to be kind of provide the self feedback as well as having again, mentors and coaches to, to be able to, uh, uh, to help me with that. But I think it, what gets lost a lot of times, you know, in the work ethic aspect is you're just grinding, you're grinding, you're working hard, you're dialing the phone, you're knocking on doors, you're doing whatever you have to do, you're shaking hands. Um, not now, obviously, but you're, you're, you know, you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't actually take time to sit back and realize, why am I failing? Why am I succeeding? Uh, and, and what actually happened there? Mm. and being honest with yourself and saying huh, okay you know here's some themes like I, I you know I sold these two deals or booked these two jobs or acquired these new customers for this reason here's the themes and then oh yeah actually we have a bunch of themes and all my failures and those are probably the ones you want to learn more from right so mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it's just there's such value in just stopping and pausing and just you don't have to do it every second every time but like sitting down and and again, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, okay, hey, what worked, what didn't work? Hmm. Um, and then whether it's seeking help or just, you know, sometimes you can just internalize it and do it yourself. But hmm. um, that for me was kind of the first step is just realizing there's like, you know, you're not perfect and there's always something to get better at. And unless you're paying attention to it, you could even regress in certain times too and forget what works. So yeah, totally agree with you there, Brennan. And, you know, that speaks to your level of experience in being able to master or hone skills that, you know, that, that you've had success in. Personally, for myself, when I think of awareness, I think of, of two activities that generally has helped me to be better and aware, whether that's in business or in my personal life. The first thing is journaling. So I do a lot of writing. So whenever I go through any sort of major experience, whether positive or negative, so I had a strong month of sales or, you know, I had a bad month of sales or something negative happened, I try to like just write about it, which helps me to understand what went well, what didn't go well, it is I can improve in. And then the second thing I, I think has always been helpful is recording myself. So for example, if I am doing phone calls and I am not very confident or I feel like, yeah, maybe there are areas I could improve in, I just record the conversation and then I either take that conversation to my coach or I take that conversation to someone who is more objective than me. And then I have them listen to my conversation and give me feedback on that conversation, the recording of the conversation or the recording of the transaction 
whatever it is. And I feel like when you record yourself and you listen to yourself, you're really able to pinpoint areas that are cringy or areas that, you know, you didn't answer a uh, question well or areas you can improve. And I think those two things personally for myself have been huge in being able to uh, be successful. Yeah. There's like so many instances I can think back to as well where, yeah, recordings happen and I listen to it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I said that, Oh my God, <laughs> that's just terrible. Or yeah. Or I didn't know I sound or I didn't know I gave off this tone or I didn't know I did, did whatever. Right. And uh, um, yeah. So you don't know what you don't know. So if you uh, listen to yourself and same thing with, again, having other people listen to it, mm -hmm. like, Oh, you sounded like this really I didn't, I mean, you're just in your world you're doing your thing you're doing what your mind tells you is right but mm. um yeah unless you can go back and revisit it yeah man, i think you're very very important so yeah and it's hard but it's it's hard to listen to i know i, I always struggle listening to recordings of myself i'm just like oh i sound so weird like you know your I, voice your voice uh that you when you listen to it is very different than when you just talk. i definitely agree yeah so it's funny with, with my podcast episodes when i actually do the video <laughs> editing it's so cringy and sometimes very uncomfortable uh to do the editing because i'm listening to myself over and over again but again subconsciously i am improving myself because i'm like oh that is very cringy i should not say yeah. that on my next episode and i'm able to improve now, uh, Brennan, uh, the next thing I want to ask you about is something that I think, you know, has been very important to you and the idea of, you know, happiness and more importantly, the idea of, you know, self having a selfish level of happiness. And I've been thinking about that, you know, for quite some time. What does that concept mean to you and why is that important for anyone? Why should people think about having that, you know, selfish level of happiness? Um, well, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, I think, about... Um, just the role of that you have in everything, the role of control that you have in your world or as a business owner and that role of, um, you know, the self-reflection part of that is again, like if you're, you're running a business or you're, you know, doing any position really, but if, if you're not happy or you're not, you know, satisfied, maybe it's outside of work, maybe it's inside of work, regardless of how good you are, you're not going to be at, full efficiency because there's always that piece that's missing. Right. Mm. Um, so I think that's just uh, part of, you know, part of being anybody being successful or doing what they want to do is being able to say, Hey, like, am I just like, am I in a good mood? Am I pleased? Am I happy what I'm doing? Am I happy with my personal life or my love life or my, um, you know, health and fitness or, or my home situation. I don't know. There's like so many different parts of your world that mm -hmm. contribute to it. Um, and, uh, and I think you have to factor that in on a, you know, you know, reflecting on it every, every single day type thing, maybe not, but mm -hmm. you have to be able to sit back and say, okay, like, um, yeah, is there something missing or is there something here that is, you know, poisoning the well, or is there mm -hmm. something that's, you know, that would be, that would be important to me to, improve upon so mm -hmm. it always kind of goes back to that whole self-reflection piece is you have to recognize and then i think i think it's i mean for me the biggest piece of it was running the business it was really really and even when i did my you know tour of duty out in ontario uh, helping coach um was just like the importance of having uh you know a, a balance outside of it mm. Again, I got kind of you get this context at first when I first started in the business was like, okay, you know what, 
I'm like the whole, like this whole concept of being a business owner, you just have to grind like, Oh, 18 hour days, hundred hour weeks, you know, hoorah, but mm. you have to take time to refill the well and do things that are important to you. Uh, and then if you're not doing that, doing that, even if you're closing things, like eventually, you know, your you, things will de- deteriorate and maybe it's your mental health or maybe it's relationships that are important to you or, mm you know, your, your physical well-being, or maybe you'll, you won't be going to the gym, like all these different things. There's like a, you know, there's a lot of different factors and for everybody, it's a little bit different, but you have to keep each of those levels high or else you as a whole. Yeah. I think you're not going to be as good as you are and you're going to, you know, again, it's uh, you know, it could drastically impact your performance or and your mental health or other things that are really actually are important to you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think it's a very, very important topic and it's something important to think about being happy. A lot of people feel like happiness is uh, something that happens to you. In some case, that might be, but really at the end of the day, you have control over your happiness in some level. You can choose to see things in a certain way to improve your happiness and you can choose to see things in a way that will make you even more miserable (laughs) well it's all it's all just a series of decisions right again it's just like you're making a choice in Mm -hmm. your mind whether be you maybe it's not a logical maybe it's not a a choice like i am deciding this but it's at some point you make a decision to say i am not going to do this thing right Mm -hmm. i'm not going to do this thing or i am going to do this even though i know that it probably i'll probably hate myself later for it or whatever it is i don't know Mm -hmm. you know but um, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's fascinating. And- and choosing to be happy, I suppose, sometimes can be difficult because, again, number one, it starts from, as you mentioned, sort of that reflection and just kind of taking a look at everything and saying, in everything I'm involved in right now, everything in my life, what is making me perhaps not as happy? Is it my job? Is it some relationships? Is it some friendships? What's the situation making me unhappy? And then mm-hmm. making that conscious decision to either fix that or improve that or kind of just take a deeper look at whatever it is that is a source of your unhappiness and making that conscious decision to either eliminate it or try to improve it. Would you say that would be the approach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes those decisions suck really bad too. Mm. You know, like you realize that you have to, you have to make a choice or a decision to remove something or add something. And you're like, Oh my God, this is not going to be fun. Mm. This is not going to be easy. I really don't, don't like this. Cause I, you know, there's probably a different reasons for it, but um, yeah, I think yeah, people need to, you know, recognize that. Mm. Yeah. You know, part of being happy or you know, if you are unhappy, getting back to being happy is going to involve probably some uncomfortable decisions mm. and or conversations or moments or or sacrifices or whatever it might be, right? So, mm. so at the end of the day, it's in our control and it's easy to see that control and say, I don't have control over my happiness. There's all of these 10, 15, 20 things that are preventing me from being happy. But I guess at the end of the day, it's still in our control to some extent and we can control the outcome. Now, uh, sorry, are you going to make a point if I go to my next yeah, question? Yeah, I, I think I, I would even argue to us, you know, if you say, it's to an extent in your control. I think, you know, very few things are out of our control. I mean, our pandemic's a little bit out of our control right now, obviously, <laughs> right? But uh, uh, outside of that, there's a very, I, 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 you know, you go back and forth on it, but yeah, there's not many things that are out of your control if you really get down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the time, it's all just decisions that you make. 
Right. Yeah. So ultimately, I feel like, you know, when things happen to us, what we have in our control is our reaction to those things, how we see those things, how we what actions we take and how that affects us. Um, I think uh, all of that is in our control. And ultimately, you know, for the most part, how you actually approach things really a, makes a whole difference as to how that impacts your life, right? Yeah, or, or if, it's, if it is out of your control. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what are you gonna do? Out of yeah. your control, right? Like it's, but you have to like, again, coming to that realization is not easy because oh, I could fix it or oh but you know woe is me or whatever but I don't know like if it's truly something that's out of your control mm-hmm. like us like now like not being able to go into a, a gym or there's we're wearing masks or mm. or now we're not being able to see family or friends that are close to us mm. oh it sucks but realistically mm. what is in our control is to follow the damn rules right and mm-hmm. then uh, but what is out of our control is the fact that we have to do it right now Absolutely. Yeah. And this uh, segues into my last points, you know, we're in the pandemic, of course, and it's very difficult for everybody. Uh, What would you say for yourself has been the impact of the pandemic personally and professionally? And how are you dealing with that personally? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's been really, really challenging for most people. And I think that, um, you know, I've tried to put a really big emphasis personally just on making sure I'm really sharp mentally mm. uh, because, and making sure that um, it's very, again, very tough in times like this um, to, uh, yeah, maintain a positive mental health aspect mm. and recognize that, hey, you know what, this is hard. This is going to be hard on the mind. This is hard on the mind of a lot of different people. Hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's just been getting back to, Hey, what is important to me? What are, what are the, what are the things I can do personally, professionally, et cetera, that do contribute to positive mental health and positive, a positive outlook on the situation and just doing those things. Because again, there are, this, this, this is something in the pandemic is something that is out of our control and, and not getting frustrated. And it's not easy. Again, you go through times when you're annoyed and you're like, oh, I just don't want to do this. And it's a battle and there's no really real perfect, you know, there's no journey that is perfect by any means. But mm-hmm. I think for me, it's been that focus on kind of, you know, really the whole theme of our whole, our whole uh, hour or so together. It's just been the focus on, on being happy and the self-awareness and being like, Hey, I can't, I can't let uh, this creep into my mind, mm. mental perspective. And, much harder for some people again i i would uh some people struggle with that much more than i would but um yeah i think that has to be front of mind because if you can't if you if you don't put that front of mind i think i think you're risk you're risking sliding downhill probably pretty quickly mm-hmm. I would yeah imagine. yeah i think uh, that i do agree with you i think the theme of our conversation over the last hour really has been about, you know, self-awareness, kind of understanding what's going on in your head, what's going on around you, and just making sure that you are right there and you're aware. And also we've we've been talking about just focusing on what you can control, focusing on what is in your ability to control. A lot of things are out of our control and that is okay. Like that won't change. Like that's just the way things are. But uh, yeah, 
but focusing on what is in our control really can make a meaningful difference, whether it's in our business or in our job search efforts or in our careers or sales or whatever it is, focusing on what you can control really makes a difference. Last question for you, Brandon, before I let you go. Uh, this is a bit of a, a different tone of question. And the idea is, what do you think as a prediction uh, for the future will change uh, as a result of the pandemic. So the pandemic is affecting everybody and that is bound to change our behaviors in some fashion, whether positive or negative. What would you think based on your uh, estimation would change or will happen as a result of this pandemic over the next couple of years? Well, there's a lot of things. I think, you know, in the context of our conversation, I think, you know, a lot of businesses that, um, may not have been able to deal with this before and that are learning to deal with it now will probably prevail mm. more so, right? The ones that are willing to be creative and willing to make differences and willing to pivot and, and adapt to what is in front of them. Mm. Um, you know, not easier said than done for some businesses for sure. But I think uh, those businesses will survive probably and will probably be in the next 10 or 20 years you know, probably some of the bigger companies out there because they have said that, you know, they can survive something like this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's probably the same with, with individuals too, though, right? I think you have to, as a person, adapt to a crazy life experience like this that I hope to God we never have to go through again. Mm -hmm. But I think similarly, I think it's the people who adapt and get creative and who are able to focus on themselves and do what's important to them and, and uh, keep happy and, and really work their way through it Mm. Um, or, or the people who will go out and understand that shit, like I'm struggling big time and I'm going to need help with this. And maybe mm -hmm. and again, that's okay because it's, it's a really tough time for a lot of people. So I think it's, it's, uh, you know, both for people and, and businesses. It's so, I think that'll change. It's just, you know, I think people are going to get more creative. I think this world is going to continue to push to a more virtual, you know, virtual world. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really interested to see the impact um, in, in the future. And I think it's going to be, it's really going to require, um, you know, from businesses and from, you know, people in leadership positions to really, mm. to really stay on top of people and to really be in tune with what's going on because, um, you know, a lot of companies uh, survive or really promote culture. Mm. You know, within the office something that we did a lot here is something that was incredibly important to us that has been more challenging to to, to do mm. uh, when people are when we're doing it over we use teams like microsoft teams or uh, a lot of companies probably have that similar thing so how can you you know still maintain that absolutely so it's gonna be, yeah it's gonna be your editing it's just you know it's just gonna require uh yeah i think what's gonna change is people are just gonna have to get more creative and they're half you know open their minds up to what is working and what isn't and be more in tune with what's going on. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how things will evolve over, over the next 10, 15, 20 years uh, from personal lives to how we work. That'll be fascinating. Uh, last thing here before I let you go, any last words of advice or wisdom or thoughts or perspectives for our listeners if I let you go? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I appreciate you having me on. I think this is a great thing. And I think that... Um, you know, based on our conversation anyways, uh, you know, keep in tune with yourself, um, do what's important to you, do what makes you happy, and uh, don't be afraid to reach out to others. So those would be kind of my final thoughts on it. 
but also I know uh, it personally anyways, I've, I've over the past, uh, you know, week, week or so have had the opportunity to, um, you know, try and do my best to, uh, you know, help support local businesses and had, you know, I've, for example, you know, we're in the exchange right now, I went down the street, uh, uh, and uh, to one of the local donut shops here and the owner was working and he was, you know, as he was making my coffee, uh, was talking about, you know, some of the struggles that he's going through and how, you know, he's devastated about having to lay off employees, but the alternative was to shut down. So mm. um, would just be if people have, uh, and there's, you know, more stories like that everywhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, if people have to make the decision to, uh, to um, you know, order out or to do something. Mm you know, that whole support local thing, it really goes a long way because it's impacting a lot of people's lives right now. And I think, uh, you know, everybody needs, everybody needs each other's help. Definitely agree. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Brennan. It's been such a wonderful conversation. This last hour just flew by very quickly. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll connect again. Thanks for your time, buddy. Okay, awesome. Thanks, David.